Good morning and happy Pentecost Sunday. It's uh, the day in which the church celebrates Holy Spirit um, being given to the disciples today. And that's a big deal. When we began this sermon series, Stayed, I knew that when we began that I would be getting to preach to you today on Pentecost Sunday. And I hold that weight. I, I, it is important to me that we acknowledge what today is on the Christian calendar and the church calendar and what it means for us as we conclude our stayed journey. Um, I think I want to point out that this is the end of the stayed series, um, but it is not the end of being stayed. It is not the end of practicing what it looks like to spend time alone with Yahweh every day. Do not forget once this sermon series is over, okay, I did that, good, I'm good. That's not how it works. It's like any exercise program, right? Like I I participate in a lot of exercise programs online and they're like, this is not the end. Press play tomorrow. Do this again tomorrow. Stay tomorrow. Be stayed in the word and with Yahweh every day because this is not the end of our journey. This is the beginning of our journey. We've already learned how to do this. Like that's what the past seven weeks have taught us. This is how we do this. Now do it. Now go and do. Now do this thing that the Lord has been downloading into our spirits and into our souls over the past seven weeks. Seven weeks. Sometimes we spend just like two weeks on something or three weeks on something and we think, okay, I've got it. I'm going. That's enough. No, you stay. You stay. And in the staying, a lot of beauty happens. I also want to acknowledge that it is Pentecost Sunday. And I was researching what does that mean? What does it look like for today to be Pentecost Sunday? Um, and it dawned on me for the first time ever, I think, so forgive me for being, you know, in my 40s and for the first time realizing the Feast of Pentecost was not, it was a known thing. It was also called Shavuot for the Hebrew nation. It was already a celebration. It was already, um, a celebration, just like when we celebrate Easter, Jewish individuals and, and, and the community celebrate Passover. Well, when we celebrate Pentecost, we are celebrating what was already a Jewish tradition and already a Jewish celebration. And here's what they celebrate on Pentecost. When, when Jewish individuals celebrate Shavuot or Pentecost, they are celebrating Moses receiving the revelation of the Torah on Mount Sinai. How cool, right, that Jewish individuals are celebrating receiving the Torah, and today we get to celebrate both. We get to celebrate receiving the Word of God and His Holy Spirit. How amazing is that? How beautiful is it that we get both? We get the Word and the Spirit. We get flesh and blood, Jesus. We get Holy Spirit. We get the Father. We get the whole thing. And I don't want to miss that today. That Pentecost laid on top of Pentecost is beautiful. So I just want to make sure that we are recognizing that at the front, at the, at the top. Today, our scripture is from Acts 1, 1 through 14, and 
Acts 2, 1 through 5. So hang with me. It's a bit of a lengthier portion this week, but we're going to go on a journey. And so I need us to kind of grab all of that. So I'm going to read it. Hang out with me. Find it in your Bibles or on your Bible app. Acts 1, 1 through 14 and 2, 1 through 5. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. This is Luke speaking. This is the second portion of Luke's book. Imagine what our Bible would be like without Acts, without the book of Acts. We would be so lost if we didn't have the book of Acts. Thank God for Luke and for the fact that he did two versions, or not two versions, but two portions of the life of Jesus. So this is Luke. Um, So he said, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, He was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day's walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James, and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. So then we skip over to chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. That was a lot of scripture. (laughs) But the first thing I want to point out that I feel like the Lord um, highlighted to me this week was how Jesus said to his disciples, go to Jerusalem. Do not leave. He says, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the spirit 
sorry, wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. He tells them to wait for the gift my father promised. What does that mean for them, do you think? They are saying to him, he is saying to them, wait, wait for the gift, wait to receive. What does it mean to us to live a stayed life in which we wait for the gift of the promise of the father? Spending time alone with Yahweh every day gives us the ability we need to wait for him for what he has promised. And they are good things. It is a good thing that he is promising us. It is a beautiful thing that he is giving to wait for the gift of the promise of the Lord. And we do not wait passively. I do not just go about my everyday life thinking that eventually the Lord is going to give me something. No, I wait actively. I wait in time with the Lord. I wait spending time with him, preparing myself to receive whatever it is he has to give me. I put away foolish things. I put away sin. I put away all the things that would hinder me from being able to hear from him. And I spend time with his word. And I spend time alone with him, accepting and expecting to receive. I cannot make it happen. I cannot make him give me something that I'm not yet ready for. I cannot make him give something before he's ready to give it. He is going to give it though. And that's the promise. The promise of the gift of the father is a good promise for us. And so the Lord says, wait for the promise of my father, the gift of the promise of my father, which is the Holy Spirit, whom I have told you about before. Jesus is saying, I've told you about him before. So what do we know about what he said to them before? What he said to them before is, I have to go so that my father can send the comforter who is greater than I am. (laughs) And so he's saying to them, by the way, the gift that's coming, that is promised to you, is greater than being in my presence. It's greater than being with me every day in the, in the flesh. Oh, okay. Okay. And so I, I imagine that this must have stuck out to Luke too, as he's writing this down. Oh, he said he's giving the gift of the promise of the father. And I want that. And so what did they receive? They received baptism into the Holy Spirit. I was reading commentaries this week, and I remember coming across one that talked about how baptism into the family of God, we, we, we treat baptism as if it's a one-time thing. Um, and a water baptism is, you know, if, or, you know, signing the Articles of War and becoming a soldier, that is a one-time thing. Making a public declaration of our faith is a, isn't necessarily a one-time thing, but the first time we do it, it is important, and it means that we have entered into the family of God. Being baptized by the Holy Spirit, however, is not a one-time thing. It is an all-the-time thing. It is a, it is a soaking in of Him and, a, and an a continual process of asking for more of him, asking for more. Like Marty and and Tabitha saying earlier, I want more, I want more, I want more. We can never reach the limits of who he is. We can never reach the limits of what the Holy Spirit has to give us. We can never, he is limitless. I, I, 
He is limitless. He has limitless power, which means that if he is in me, I have limitless power because I have his power. And so how do I tap into that more? How do I get more into the baptism? This is a living baptism. It is a living thing into which we have to press ourselves into and into which we have to choose to every day submit ourselves to the Holy Spirit and into his coming and into his living out through me. So they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and with that, they received Holy Spirit's power. (sighs) Power is a scary thing. And there is certainly power at work in the world these days. And I have been undone. at the amount of physical and human power that has been misused in these days and for days that have not that should not have been happening George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and Eric Garner and the list of my black brothers and sisters who have been mistreated by human power. They are breaking my heart. And I believe that the church has been silent for too long. And so today I just want to say to you, if you are listening and you are black or brown or a different skin tone than mine, I honor you. I applaud you for the work that you do every day, for how hard it is for you to just leave your house or to go to bed And I am sorry for how power has been misused against you. And so I am aware that when we talk about Holy Spirit power, it can sound scary. There is a power that exists that is righteous and that is just and that is good. And when we spend time alone with Yahweh every day, we receive that power, a justice-seeking power, a beautiful power that allows Holy Spirit to come in and work through us and be united and to see revival. And I believe revival at some point will look like brothers and sisters of all colors, of all nations coming together to proclaim the name of God and that every knee will bow and every tongue confess and there will be languages spoken in all versions, every language spoken. And when we receive the gift promised by the Father, it is a good gift and it is Holy Spirit-enabled gift and we become conduits through which Holy Spirit's power, love, compassion, kindness, and justice show. So what did the disciples do, right? What did they do? They heard Jesus say, do not leave Jerusalem until you have received the gift that my father has promised. 
What did they do? What their Savior told them to do. They did exactly what their Savior told them to do. They did exactly what the one with whom they had spent time every day for the last three years told them to do. They went to Jerusalem and they waited. Right? So verse 12 says, Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day's walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to, to the room where they were staying. And then verse 14 says, They all joined together constantly in prayer. They were actively waiting on the gift that the Father had promised. They were actively waiting. They went upstairs and they prayed. For how long, right? So that's a good question. Like, for how long do I have to actively wait to receive the gift? Well, what we know is that Jesus was with them 40 days, and then he was taken up into heaven, and then Pentecost comes. So pente means five, 50. So, and the, the Jewish nation, the Hebrew nation, celebrates the Feast of Pentecost seven weeks, seven weeks after Passover, That's what Pentecost was. And so then the tongues of fire come on Pentecost. So they waited 10 days. They spent 10 days constantly in prayer with one another. Can you imagine the anticipation of the disciples? Maybe today? What do you think? Do you think it'll be today? Do you think that the gift will come today? What do you think? It's like, I, I, I was thinking about this and the anticipation that maybe they felt. And I feel excited when I get a notice in my inbox that my Amazon package is going to show up or that my delivery of any sort is going to show up. Or I get really excited when Christmas is coming and I know Christmas is coming and And I just get excited about what that might mean. And that's anticipation. I cannot imagine the level of anticipation the disciples were feeling in these 10 days. Do you think it'll come today? Do you think the promise of the Father will come today? Do you think the gift of the Holy Spirit will come today? Do you think we'll get baptized today? And I can't, I was wondering, like, what do you think they were praying Right? What, what, what were they, what could they have possibly been praying in these days? And I think as Jewish, as good Jewish men, they would have been praying the Shema. They would have been praying what their father, what, what their savior had taught them to pray, the Lord's prayer. And, and maybe they were taking shifts. Maybe they were praying in shifts or, or maybe they chose a Psalm to meditate on. I don't know. I just know that they prayed. Their savior was gone from the earth and they didn't know exactly what else to do. So they prayed. And I think that's a good word for us. Like when we don't know what else to do, we pray. I think sometimes we think that that's nothing. Like that's not doing anything when we pray. When we go into our secret place and we, we spend time alone with Yahweh, we think that that's not doing anything. Well, it is the most active thing we could be doing with our lives is spending time alone with Yahweh. And so they did that. They did what they had seen their Savior do. They did what they had, what he told them to do. Every time Jesus had a miracle occur or every time that you see in in scripture, Jesus do something amazing and miraculous. Do you know what he had done previously? He had prayed right before Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. He said, Father, I know you hear me. Please do what you will do. And he and Lazarus came forth before the bread was broken for 4000 people. Jesus prayed. He gave thanks. 
So they were doing what they had seen their Savior do. They were doing what they had been told to do. And so they were obedient and they were stayed. They were spending time with Yahweh every day. And then we know what happened, right? They spent time alone with Yahweh, and then Acts 2, 1 through 5 happens. And holy cow, can I just tell you that that excites me. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. They hadn't left Jerusalem. (laughs) Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Can you imagine the thrill and the excitement among them? I mean, I I think that they probably were a little afraid in the beginning, like, oh my goodness, that is so loud and there's a lot of wind and it doesn't make sense that it's inside. And But can you imagine what happened when it dawned on them that, oh, this is us receiving the gift the Father promised us of the Holy Spirit. This is the gift. And they had been waiting. And then all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit has arrived and he is showing up in tongues of fire on their heads, kind of like the pillar of fire that Moses used to follow in the, in the daytime. Like there's so much beauty in, in a tongue of fire being on their head. Magnificent, life-changing, glorious Holy Spirit showed up as tongues of fire and he rested on his people. He does that for me and you. When we spend time alone with Yahweh, asking for more of Holy Spirit, he shows up. He is not absent from us. He has not left us. He has not abandoned us. He shows up. During the Feast of Pentecost, all of Israel was celebrating the revelation of the Torah to Moses. On this day, we celebrate receiving both, the Word and the Spirit. And I I know it might seem like a really silly question after everything I've just said, but what does Spirit do for those who are continually being baptized in His presence? What does He do when we get filled up to the full measure with His power? I think the clue, the, the, the words that were highlighted to me this week was, uh, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. The Spirit enables us. The Spirit enables us to do what we never thought possible. The Spirit enables us to speak words that we don't understand. The Spirit enables us to see things that we don't, we've never seen before and may not actually be in the physical world, but might be in the spiritual world. This Holy Spirit enables us to hear things from him that we don't know where they came from, but we know it wasn't us. And so, Lord, yes, thank you for that. He goes on to talk, um, Peter stands up, right, in the presence of all these men who have gathered in Jerusalem, because this is not a small crowd, and he says, in in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, your old men will dream dreams, even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. 
I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. He will pour out his spirit on on us. We will prophesy. We will see visions. We will dream dreams. He will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below. All the things we have learned and discussed throughout this series have led us here. Right? Isaiah 26.3 says, He will keep in perfect peace the one whose mind is stayed on you because you, you trust in him. That was wrong. You will keep in perfect peace the one whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. When we spend time alone with Yahweh every day, when we do this, when we receive his perfect peace, because our trust in him is immovable, we are filled with the Holy Spirit and he moves us to do things that we can't control and that we weren't expecting. But they come from Holy Spirit power. And when that happens, watch out. The book of Acts is full of Holy Spirit revelation. The rest of the New Testament is full of Holy Spirit revelation. And I think sometimes the church gets lazy and thinks maybe that doesn't happen anymore, but it can and it should. The stayed person is a spirit-enabled person. And with that, we have his power living in us. And I have to confess, this week, I feel like the Holy Spirit has said to me, then why aren't you asking? Why aren't you asking for the things that my spirit can do? And so I'm going to pray a prayer. And I want you to join me because I believe that the Holy Spirit has given us this time to receive from him what he would have us receive. That was a weird sentence, but there it is. I believe that he wants to activate his church and to believe for more on this earth. We pray all the time, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Do you think this is what heaven is like? No, I know it's not. I want to see his kingdom come and I want to see it come however it needs to come. We sing all the time, send the fire. I know that as a salvationist, I grew up singing that song, send the fire, send the fire, oh Lord, send the fire to magnify your name, to never be the same. We need your holy flame, send the fire. I grew up thinking, yes, Lord, for tongues of fire. Yes, Lord, for there to be a great and mighty wind. But that was just the beginning. That was just the beginning. Are you kidding me? That was just the beginning. That was just the beginning. 
Holy Spirit wants us to become receptive, wants us to bathe in his revelation so that he can then be powerful through us so that we actually look like conduits. So if you're willing to step in to the unknown and to what might look scary, but to receive more of the Holy Spirit, I just want you to reach your hands out. And I know you're probably like in your pajamas on your couch with a cup of coffee, but like, can you reach your hands out and place them into a posture of receiving and just agree with me? Because I believe that there are Christians far and wide today who need more of the Holy Spirit. And so, Heavenly Father, I ask that you give your Holy Spirit in immeasurable amounts to those who are listening today, who would receive more of you today, who are willing to step out into the unknown and say, Lord, whatever you want from me, I can't control it. I can't contain it. I know that, but set a fire deep within me that burns if I'm silent and that goes out into the world and changes lives if I'm, a, if I'm alive and fully active in your word. Lord, I ask that you would begin to show signs and wonders in your church again. I ask that you would begin to, to raise up prophets among us. I, I ask that you would encourage us and, and embolden us to live out of the place, of the secret place in which we spend time and out of your word in which we, we see miraculous things happening all the time. Lord, I don't believe that they are only for the past. They are for the present too. And so, Lord, I just ask for a full measure of your spirit. I ask for full measure of your kingdom on earth. And I ask that we would have anticipation to expect it, anticipation to receive it and to receive it well. In you, we live and move and have our being. And so, Lord, if words come out of our mouths that are not in our native tongue, then allow us to be okay with that. We do ask for another Pentecost, Lord. We ask for another Pentecost. And Lord, let it start in me. I want to be revival fire walking around, living and breathing. So Lord, let it start in me. Let it start in us. You are my King and my Father and my Lord. And you deserve all the glory and all the honor and all the praise. So we worship you today. We honor you we trust you. Allow us to remain stayed. In your name I pray. Amen. Thank you for stopping by. We love it when you visit us here at the Bay Ridge Salvation Army. You can find out more about us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. 
If you would like to help support what we do, simply text BRLOVE to 41444. That's BRLOVE to 41444.